personal privilege. Yeah. We slam it like nobody's business. This is Armstrong and Getty. When you guys are supposed to cheer. What do you call it? Uncomfortable clarity? <laughs> I'm funny how, I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I am usually. Hey, man. All right, go, go. <clears throat> I'm ready. He is Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. You may have seen or heard or read about Steve Sylvester last week. He's an antique shop owner in the capital city of California, Sacramento, and had a mostly naked guy bust into his, his business the other day and cause of fracas and steve got interviewed you know honestly i think it mostly got attention because the dude was mostly naked and that's kind of the hook for the dumb dumb media <laughs> oh really you think that's why i got attention? Oh, that's a big part of it really interesting yeah. that's, that's at least part of it it also comes in the wake of uh liz novak who we talked to who is a uh a shop owner in the same area who said she's closing up a business and moving it because of uh, the incursion of bums and junkies uh, Steve Sylvester joins us now to talk about the situation in his part of the world and, uh, you know, what he thinks is causing it as a guy who observes it every day. Steve, how are you, sir? Hi, guys. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, it's our pleasure. We appreciate you taking the time. Um, I assume you're taking the time because you care about the neighborhood where you live and work. Yeah, I'm in the center of Sacramento. Um, there's a big freeway that cuts through it called the WX Freeway. And underneath each of the roads, there there is Camp City. Right, and it's, I assume, a hell of a lot of junkies there. There is. Um, the problem is there's four types of homeless, and there's the people who are genuinely homeless, and I think the city should spend every penny on getting them rehoused. Then we have a lot of mentally ill around here. We call them the monster shouters, but they're like the Stephen King novel. There's a couple that we know who actually want to be on the streets. They don't want to be part of society. They love the the nomad life. But the biggest problem for our area, and that's happened in the last year, is it's all drug-related. It's street drugs. How do you know that? Because the crowd that are hanging around now are much younger, and what happens is that they'll suddenly become absolutely crazy. And, and that's because they've just taken something that's nice and cheap and cheerful, and then they go around, um, usually causing chaos in the local area. And do you think, uh, I know you've said in the past that there's been an increase in the number of people uh, menacing your business and making it tough to do business and the rest of it. Uh, what's your sense of why it's increasing so quickly? Um, a couple of reasons, really. I mean, we've got... I think it's 5,600 homeless in Sacramento, and that apparently, according to the rules, is a 19% increase over the last couple of years. There's, there's two things that are happening that's making Sacramento a little busier with the homeless population. One is what they call greyhound therapy. Um, the local newspaper reported that uh, in Nevada, they actually give one-way tickets to get out of the state and come to Sacramento because it's a much better place to get benefits. And then another um, piece of news that I found out was that um, a hospital, a mental hospital in Vegas, over a five-year period, bust out 1,500 people out of Nevada, of which a third came to California. And that's what we have a lot around in this area. Wow, that is something. Yeah, that's amazing. Steve Sylvester is a Sacramento business owner. He was 
on the news uh, last week when a, a, a drugged-up maniac smashed a bunch of stuff in his antique shop. Uh, so you're either a city or a state that spends your money on shipping homeless out, or you're a city or a state that spends money on attracting homeless. Or more or less. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Steve, how often do you have to, say, clean up in front of your store uh, human waste and that sort of thing? Well, it's Tuesday morning, and as it would have it, it was a fairly clean day today, so uh, I could open the front door without a problem. But it can be um, a needle sitting outside, which you have to go and pick up. Um, and that's not too bad, I hate to say. The worst thing is, is the human waste, and, and that is, really is the waste, the worst part of the day. How often does that actually happen, where you got human poop on the sidewalk or wherever you got to deal with? Um... Probably about four times a week. Oh, I've noticed it's cut. Yeah, I know it's it's cut down a little bit because we used to have uh, a mentally ill homeless guy, and he used to drag around these two waste bin containers, and he had this thing that he had to poop on top of a car. Oh boy! So we would have a yeah. That is, that's a thing. That's an interesting thing. Yeah. Like the hood yeah. or the top of the car? He would. He would squat on the top of the car and then do his business down the windshield. And then, of course, in the hot Sacramento weather, when you go there at 7 o'clock at night to pick your car up, it's the last thing you want to do. Well, you're going to have to get that detailed. Yeah, that is literally the last thing I yeah. want to do. Uh, so, Steve, would you, uh, when you appeal to the police for help with this sort of thing, um, what happens? What are you told? Well, here's the problem is that the police are in their own set of handcuffs because there really is nothing that they can do. Their hands are tied. I mean, if someone on the street does something that's technically illegal, like vandalism, when we had our shop windows broken, um, then they can arrest someone for vandalism. But if they're just walking around barking at the moon, I mean, there's nowhere for them to go. So really, they just have to move them on and make sure they're not ill, and that's it. Your thoughts on uh, folks who give to panhandlers? Oh, yeah. Well, here in Sacramento, as I said, I'm very near the freeway that cuts through the center of the city. But on the other side of the store, there's a very long road called Broadway. And, I mean, I love Sacramento, and I love Broadway because it's full of about 30 fabulous restaurants. But outside most of the restaurants, there'll be people begging for money. And I do wish people would not give them money because the money is not going to be used to buy themselves food. It's going to be used to get a quick fix. So if you see people outside restaurants, give them some food. They'll probably say no because they really want the money. You know, the police in a lot of areas say the same thing, don't give them money. And when the, uh, the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, was the mayor of San Francisco, I know that was a campaign he was into, uh, do not give money to beggars. So I don't know how that, I mean, he's a lefty. He's the compassionate lefty. I don't know how word has not gotten around everybody. Stop giving money to beggars. Right. Why are you doing that? Right. Beggars are not, quote unquote, the homeless necessary, necessarily. They're beggars. So, Steve, um, uh, how long do you plan on sticking it out? If it gets significantly worse, are you thinking of relocating or are you committed to where you are? Oh, no, I'm committed. I mean, we've been here 19 years, almost as long as you've been on the radio, but um, we have a big store, and we do have lots of compassion, and we know what the problem is now, so we'll stick through it. There's, there's got to be an answer. 
Well, you're you're an optimist. Oh yeah, I'm a total optimist. My big problem is the city's got a bucket load of money to deal with the homeless problem, and um, what they're doing at the moment is such a short-term quick fix. It's not going to work. Right. Well said. Well, we need to stay in touch on this, Stephen. And one final note, uh, Jack and I began our, uh, well, it it was early in our radio career that we worked in downtown Sacramento, not far from where you are, and uh, and ate breakfast uh, most days there at the Pancake Circus, which I think is very near your business. And I'm pretty sure I gained 10 to 15 pounds in a year eating breakfast there. Oh, really? It, it's still there, and the pounds can still be put on. Yeah, it's right on the end of the same block. <laughs> Pancakes the size of a manhole. All right, uh, Steve, great to talk to you, uh, and let's stay in touch. Okay, thanks very much. Uh, you got it. How do you how do you get up on the car? You climb up on the bumper? Well, you climb up on the sure. Crawl up across on the, the hood? Right, yeah. It's a very ritual uh, thing he's got going on there because he's got to like start on the top and move down the windshield. I wonder and... if he has any interest in like what model it is or anything like that. Ooh, look at that, a Lexus. I've never pooped on a Lexus before. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe he's like belligerently pro-American cars. All right, all, all Japanese cars. Super uh, patriotic. Yeah, you know. Anyway, that's really not the point of the conversation. Not really. Um, not per se. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 unbelievable. Oh, yeah, it's incredible. Well, and listen, you, you were mentioning that story earlier where there's a, a state park where the bums have taken over and the junkies and and the guys are like, you know, we can be uh, lenient on some stuff like the littering if you just cooperate a little bit. Why are we taxpayers, law-abiding citizens, I don't know. begging for, please don't hurt us, uh, we won't ask much of you, just... You know, keep crapping on the streets and stealing and breaking windows and doing drugs. and It's your park now. Just don't damage it too much. I tell you what, and this is why Trump got elected and why he might get reelected. He says, making about it about Trump slightly. The Ninth Circuit Court, with their bizarro reeling, ruling, rather. I'm sorry, I'm reading and talking at the same time. Their bizarro ruling, where you can't boot somebody... Out of a park, unless you can prove the government has provided a bed for them. Right. They're a junkie. They like doing drugs. They have no interest in working like the rest of us. What if three more guys decide to become junkies today? That means the government has to get three more beds? Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals? You're letting the junkies and the bums run society. Life, That's not how it works. Life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness is the only thing government's supposed to provide. It, That's right. It didn't guarantee you a place to live. No, they're supposed to protect your liberties, period. And it certainly doesn't guarantee you a place to live in super expensive areas of the country. whack a judges, man. That's at the root of a lot. Yeah. Our text line's 415-295-KFTC. You know what I'd like to do to some of these judges? I like to climb up on their car. I'll give where you, you a hint. Where are you parked? All right. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. This is best of Armstrong and Getty. This is from uh, Brian Walsh, who's written a new book, End Times, A Brief Guide to the End of the World. It's reviewed in Popular Mechanics. There you go. I, I thought that was a good steady roll in publication to review it. Love Popular Mechanics. Not BS. Mechanics. You got this gear, this shaft, the gears either fit or they don't. There's no opinion in mechanics. You know what I'm saying. 
So they uh, start and work their way up. It's a good count up. Uh, global warming. Oh, it's a scale of 1 to 10. 10 being the most were definitely being wiped out and 1 being pretty manageable. They give the uh, the climate change a 3. He says quite uh, accurately that um, it's dangerous as a threat multiplier. Potentially it could be a contributing factor to other effects, where if you have a world that's in chaos... Uh, to a certain extent, due to climate change, it makes conflict more likely. Then you have conflict get out of control. And yeah, I believe I believe climate change could be a, a big one for humanity, but certainly not in my lifetime or my kids' lifetime. Right, and it depends how people react. It could be that we react, you know, profitably and, and reasonably. We wear less clothing. Yeah, uh, for instance, and everything's fine. Sell our parkas and buy shorts. <laughs> Uh, the uh, artificial intelligence rising up. He gives that a six on the one to ten scale. Huh. Says tough to put a number on. Certainly big risk. They go through the you know Elon Musk. Uh, it'll be the difference between a, a computer and a person. Will be like a person and a cat. We just won't have a chance. But then there's plenty of people who think there are plenty of people who think nah, it won't be like that. So nah, just yeah. uh, calm down. Yeah, I've never believed there's any reason for machines to want to take over the world. So. Yeah. This is shocking and proves this guy's a fool, but he gives disease only a two. This was a surprise to me. He says it was low rating because he researched all this stuff. On one hand, disease has killed more human beings than anything else. Hmm. More than any wars, natural disasters. At the same time, there's a certain natural evolutionary limit as to how a disease can develop. You have on one end of the spectrum Ebola, incredibly virulent, kills north of three-quarters of the people affected, kills them fast, kills them awfully, but not really great at spreading. That's in part because it's so virulent. It wipes you out before you're able to spread it very easily. Thank God. On the other end of the spectrum, the viruses that are most contagious tend not to kill, like measles. Measles are incredibly contagious, but you're not bleeding out of your orifices. Not yet. (laughs) Um, And he said, look to the animal world. Natural disease does not seem to kill off entire populations that easily. I would point out, though, that no uh, animals have been slowly but surely making bacteria uh, immune to antibiotics like people have been doing. I know what number one on the list this list is going to be for wiping out mankind. That one's Trump. Oh, boy. It's going to be Trump. Oh boy, uh, that one's stupid. How about asteroid? It's two. Uh, there's a reason a bunch of movies are made about them. Such a cinematic feel. The universe is about to get you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, there's a good reason to take that one seriously. It did wipe out the dominant species on the planet once. Yeah. yeah. Oh. It's it, like it's, there's an asteroid making the rounds out there, but no, another asteroid. <laughs> One big bully asteroid <laughs> just rolls by and punches planets in the face. There's no reason we couldn't develop a system to deflect one. Think everything from gravity tractors to knock a rock out of the way, lasers to change the speed, or even an old-fashioned ramming. Oh, let's see. Volcanoes get a six. Yep, that was my guess. Seriously? Volcanoes. He yeah. wrote down super volcanoes. Nice. Specifically the one under Yellowstone. That's going to be the one that gets us. Wow. wow. You even have your favorite pick. Volcanoes are underrated as a threat. Separate from the ones humans could potentially cause. This is the biggest one out there. Um, if you look out over extinction waves, usually had a connection to volcanic activity. Yeah. The biggest one, the Great Dying. Oh, that had to be a long day. Where you had 90% of life on the planet pushed to extinction occurred oh. because of a massive volcanic eruption in Siberia. Wow. What year was that, does it say? Uh, 1930. 1972. <laughs> the Bee Gees. <laughs> um, I don't... Uh, the super volcano almost killed what, all of us. What was it called? The Great... 
Deathening, what was it? The uh, the Great Dying. The Great Dying. The yeah. Big Red Machine and the Super Volcano. Now, the last super volcano uh, that essentially shut off sunlight so you had global cooling was 26,500 years ago in New Zealand. I knew it. Uh, and they think the one before that was about 74,000 years ago. We should buy New Zealand and put a cork in it. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, aliens is uh, space aliens is unknown. Difficult to assign a number to that. So huh. super volcanoes, the number great one. dying two hundred and fifty-two million years ago. How's this become so hot all of a sudden? There, I mentioned this. What was it last week? There was that article in the New York Times about super volcanoes, the underrated threat. Just a hot thing right now, I guess. Maybe this is a symptom of being in an incredibly unthreatened society. Right now, we're so safe and comfortable, and most a, of us in most ways. Is there a movie coming? Remember the clowns at the edge of the woods? Somebody got that going because the movie It was coming out. Right. So now we're talking about super volcanoes. I can only assume there's a super volcano movie about that. Well, now my radar's up. If uh, if I see a volcano movie being promoted in the next couple months, I'll let you guys know. That well, we've man. Been, we've been duped. It would not shock me if movie studios, especially if you're making some uh, movie you anticipate will make a billion dollars in China. That you start sowing those stories months in advance. That'd be a horrible way to die, the super volcano. If it's actually lava getting me. Well, yeah, that'd be quick. No. I think more of the problem oh, is quick but horrific. It just gets cold and Jeez. cloudy and crops die out and you slowly starve to death. Yeah, that'd be rough. Yeah. I don't know, I like cloudy days though. <laughs> well, put on, put on some you'll jazz. die happy then of starvation. <laughs> put on some jazz. I'm not gonna starve today. It'd take a while. Yeah. I got a whole fridge full of food. So the UN convenes. What would we do about this super volcano eruption? Bam! That's when the meteor hits. <laughs> right. Wouldn't that be ironic? <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, a great deal of attention was uh, was paid to an article in the San Francisco Chironicle the other day. It was about a two block alley. It's a street essentially between Dolores and Valencia streets, Clinton Park. A group of residents raised money to buy a bunch of boulders and line them up along the edge of a sidewalk in an attempt to dissuade uh, drug dealers and people camping out and that sort of thing. Like the sort of thing you can get at Home Depot or something? Large rocks for landscaping? Uh, my idea is that, well, they're about two to three feet high, three to four feet wide. So they're very, very oh, big rocks. Oh, that's a really big yeah. rock. But they're just big enough that people can move them. And that's the problem. People have been pushing them off of the sidewalk and into the street because they're against the placing of the rocks because they think it's too tough on the homeless or whatever. Um, and uh, it's funny. This article is very interesting. It's thought-provoking. Uh, has a lot of different people with a lot of different opinions, but only one person, and I think this is significant, was willing to give their first name and last. Everybody else feared uh, repercussions or anger or being targeted, which says something about our modern politics. God, I say those rocks aren't cheap. I mean, I bought landscaping stuff like that. They're they're expensive. Yeah, the really big ones. But the uh, there's a picture of the rocks there, Jack. Those are quite large rocks. Uh, but the one person who was quoted first name and last, or or one Whoa, of the very those few, are giant boulders. It uh, depends on the point of view. That that's shot right from the curb. That's, that's a good that's, example of perspective in photography. That comes right out of the Flintstone quarry right there. Right. Uh, one of the few people quoted was Danielle Baskin, who's an artist, uh, creator of Dialup.com, um, who was uh, against the boulders and actually offered them up on Craigslist to be sold, which I believe was a fairly creative expression of not liking them. Nobody thinks they're going to end up an anti-boulder activist. And Danielle joins us now. Danielle, how are you? Hi, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. Good. Well, at the outset, let me tell you this. You're a very interesting person. I've taken a look at your 
you know, your history and your resume and, and your your creative output and the rest of it. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's very, very cool. Uh, so why are you so against the local residents putting the rocks on that sidewalk? Oh, it's a total waste of money and solves absolutely nothing. Putting rocks on, on the sidewalk did not actually change the way people use the sidewalk. It just makes it blocked, uh, can't be handicap accessible, but also is a total waste of money when the, the money and time planning the rocks could have gone towards either, you know, donating to donating to organizations that are helping homeless people or fighting for more housing. Well, okay. there's enough money being spent to help homeless people. That is, There's no shortage of money being spent to help homeless <laughs> yeah. people. Gazillions of dollars are being spent. But yeah. did, the, did the rocks, were the rocks on the sidewalk long enough to, to see if they actually had any effect, whether you're for it or against oh, it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I passed, on, I passed uh, that street multiple times per day, and the rocks didn't do anything. I mean, it just made it more difficult to walk okay. on the sidewalk. Uh, a, a couple, of, counter, a couple yeah. of counterpoints to what you said. Yeah. Um, the local residents spent their own money. It's their money. They can do whatever they want yeah. with it. So well, that's none of your business, sidewalk. right? Sure, but they put their sidewalk, they put the their rocks on a public R- sidewalk. Right. If I, they wanted to all chip in to get rocks for their backyard, then <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. So, but the city disputes that it makes yeah. it impassable for homeless, and the city said the problem isn't the rocks. In fact, they're okay with it. The problem is people pushing them into the street. Well, I mean, we we were originally trying to take them away because uh, they sort of didn't belong to anyone if they're out in the street. Um, and there's issues with with this city trying to make these few residents on this street happy versus like dealing with the housing crisis. Yeah, but they, the, the residents on the street, it's not incumbent on them to deal with the housing pri- crisis. They no, just totally. wanted the rocks no, to make it impossible to set up big drug dealing tents. Yeah, I mean, I it's definitely not like 10 homes' responsibility to help our city, but I think if we all had that attitude, then who is going to help? So, I, was, I wasn't paying close enough attention. Do you live on that yeah. street? No, I don't. I don't. Then why do you care? Why do you care if you don't live on that street? Why don't you just care about your street? (laughs) Well, that's 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 not the right attitude. I care about I care about the city. Um, I have never I passed that street like many times, and I've never had any I've never had any negative interactions with people on it. I mean, most of the time, people are minding their own business on the sidewalk. People who aren't you, because um, you don't mind your own business. You go to other people's streets and try to <laughs> impact their lives. <laughs> I mean, I did it outside. I didn't. I didn't stand outside their homes yelling at them. Like the, the, the street is relatively pretty calm. Sure, there's sure there is drug dealing. That is that is everywhere. There's drugs, uh, not just in the street. I'm sure there's drugs in people's homes too. That is a, that is a, that is a separate issue. I mean, I think there's uh, there's right, other. right. And and listen, yeah. Danielle, Jack is very uh, combative. I I'm a this, middle child. I bring te- people together. This texture says I'm hostile. Um, you are <laughs> that's very good, hostile. That's a pretty I mean, good description. Yeah, listen, I'm more I'm more into comparing thoughts and ideas. So Danielle, it, it's interesting to me that you're insisting on big picture gestures when these people. People are just trying to keep people from dealing drugs right outside their homes. Don't you yeah. think they have the right to improve their lives?
lives, or do you think they should sacrifice? Well, this is going to be unfair. Do you think they should sacrifice the, their actual lives on the altar of your ideals? This is tough. This is tough. This is why I'd like to I'd like to talk to them in person and have us all meet and discuss other solutions. The I homeless mean, people or the rock people are you talking uh, about? All, all together. I mean, I think we could all have a conversation about it. It's just a little, it's into, it's, it's, it's treating people not as human to just dump boulders. Drug right dealers? They're trying to keep drug dealers Anyone. off the sidewalk. Anyone. I mean, drug dealers, you can, t- like, sure, I, I, I think that, I think that uh, we could all talk to each other as humans. It's like, I mean, if you're going to, if you want to keep a mouse out of your house, maybe you, like, stuff some, um, some steel wool in a hole, but it, that's that is some unbelievable anti-mousism right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like there's there's uh, treating humans, but uh, trying to get rid of humans by jumping boulders isn't the way to do it. And okay. I think, of course, it's it's not these residents' like sole responsibility, but maybe they. I mean, I I would be I I would be fine joining that. A large group can can join, and we can all like meet outside at an intersection and discuss, like, how to share that sidewalk. Well, we appreciate you. That's a fabulous, (laughs) fabulous idea. We definitely appreciate your willingness to come on the air because most people won't uh, back up their arguments and, you know, talk to the media or whatever. I think that's a a problem. If, 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 If they're so, if they're so afraid of hiding their identities, they know that they Right. That they've done something that is dist- that is disturbing lots of people. Danielle Baskin, artist yeah. and creator of Dialup.com. Danielle, I could not disagree mm-hmm. with you more, and I like you. <laughs> so, listen, thanks for coming on. It's good to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you. For thanks a lot. There you go. See? I, I dread a world with no artists and poets. I dread a world where she's in charge of anything. But I don't want artists and posts in charge of public policy. <laughs> don't, what are you doing going to other people's streets and worried about how they're handling the homeless on their street? Well, and again, well, see, again, that's, with... That's, okay, I'm sorry. That's one of the great divides between liberals and conservatives right there, is the, on behalf of other people, I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is my street. How about you worry about your street? You're okay with drug addicts on your street? Right. Go for it. And, and again, and I will quibble on this, and I will not stop. For folks who are not new to the issue, we're not talking about the homeless. We're talking about junkies and drug dealers and criminals. These people said, and, and here's what was happening. These people were setting up 8 to 10 foot wide tents. These are not the little pup tents of the junkies in a park in Seattle. These were These are big tents. The flap is open, and you go in there to buy meth, and you go in there to buy other drugs. They're the drug dealers setting up their store right outside these people's homes, and that's what they're trying to get rid of with the big rocks, which is the city says we get it, you can do the rocks. And if the freaking city of San Francisco says, yeah, you know, I get it, you're okay with this, trust me, they're okay with it, but... She seems like a nice person, oh, yeah. and, and you know, one reason that I'm saying this not to her, and I'm saying it after she got off the phone, I'm not trying to be unfair. It's just that, you know, I don't want to say mean things to her, but uh, it drives me crazy, this whole prioritizing the homeless at all, let alone when it's drug dealers, over everybody else. Why would you do that? Why would you say, it's? I don't. I, I want to make it more comfortable for the drug dealers and the homeless to be on the sidewalk than the people who live there, on the street, paying the taxes, all that sort of stuff, so they can't use the sidewalk, 
but the homeless people can. Why? And the the handicapped accessible, that argument's being used a lot, which is freaking ADA is one of the great, use that as a shield for all kinds of crap. But the homeless people aren't, or the handicapped people aren't going to be using that sidewalk because they aren't going to go down a street that's got all those drug dealers. So it's it's not handicapped accessible. If you got a ramp and some scary drug dealers, it's not now handicapped accessible. Right. Because you're not going to want to go on that street. And again, the public works department says, listen, the problem is not the rocks. The problem is people pushing the rocks into the street. So that just, it's just settles that. I just, I'm, I'm fascinated always by the, the conflict of visions, how we see the world so differently. Mm-hmm. The fact that you'd want to go to someone else's neighborhood across town and push the rocks into the street because of the way they're handling their sidewalk. I can't even imagine doing that. But to her, that seems like a you know good use for time. I rest my case. Yeah. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. I believe this fully. And it's tough to, to not just sound like it's more talk radio hyperbole right. in the world of talk radio and cable news hyperbole. But we might be going through, I think we are going through, as interesting a time as has existed in hundreds of years on planet Earth. Keeping in mind that Henry Kissinger, who was uh, one of the great geopolitical thinkers, everybody agrees on that. He was Secretary of State 50 years ago. Even if you hated him, he was a mover of uh, tectonic plates. He wrote a book a couple of years ago called World Order, and he said there's more world disorder than there has been in almost 500 years. That's saying something. And that just the entire idea of... uh, Western civilization and its dominance over the world is breaking apart, and that that is going to just unleash all kinds of stuff. Mm. Um, Almost all of it horrifically ugly, I would guess. Probably before some other order comes about, and who knows how long that could take. We will will keep order. And, and, you know, how long that could take. And you got this situation with, and this, this is in the news today, so... We are not going to sell our best military planes to Turkey, a NATO ally, because they decided to go ahead and take the Russian um, anti-aircraft system. Right. And we don't want those to meld together, and we're worried that they'll take information, our secret information from our best plane and give it to the Russians, blah, blah, blah. Why is this important? Turkey is the most powerful country, militarily speaking, in NATO. The most powerful military in NATO, outside of the United States, obviously, is Turkey. Wow. And they are now in bed with the Russians. Yeah. How long do they get to stay in NATO? Well, and and one more layer on this, if I might. The uh, Obama administration was trying to work out this missile defense deal, too, and they couldn't come to a deal with Turkey. And now the Trump administration is in the same boat, which is why the Turks turned to the Russians. But... The reason both of the administrations were hesitating to sell them these advanced uh, missile defense systems is Erdogan and the Turkish regime has swung so far toward the Islamist that we don't know if we can trust them. We don't know what kind of frenemy they are anymore. So I'm just using these news stories of today to make the overarching point. So you got the Turkey-NATO thing, the greatest disorder in the world in the last 500 years. 
of of not having a stable. This is you know how things are going to be. Who knows where it's going to go? You've got obviously the political situation that's going on as both parties are just tearing themselves apart and all over the country, all the democracies, the major parties are have either disappeared or they're being torn down. And what news is going to come out of that? Nobody has any idea. Then you throw in the Internet and social media, taking another story from today. Twitter has decided to hide the number of likes that you get from your viewers, seeing if maybe that will help with the whole I'm so caught up in likes and it's destroying my self-image and making me crazy thing. But, wow, I hadn't heard that. People are being driven, like that people are being that. driven to suicide and opioid abuse because of... Social media, and it's tearing apart of politics. All of these things happening at the same time. There might not be, you'd have to go, maybe go back to the Middle Ages when there's been this much chaos at such a high level all around the world and in every aspect of our lives. Right, and even more than the change is the pace of change. Right. You can't, I mean, you, you yeah. can have one kingdom after another, or queendom? Is that a word? Uh, owning Florida. You know, one after the other over the course of like 310 years. But that's fine. Yeah. You know, the, the, the people adjusted. They went back to chewing on each other's faces and getting yeah. eaten by gators. You go back to the Middle Ages, you had all kinds of chaos, but things were going to be roughly the same in 10 years. Right. Even if it was terrible. There's no telling what things are going to be like in 10 years. Yeah. Just absolutely no telling what countries might be at war, who the dominant powers are, what the political parties will, will be like, how we live our lives with social media and 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 and. and People not getting married and having and, kids and anymore. Socialism, for that matter. Now, I don't think. Do you think that's hyperbole? That's no. just. I, no, I, I don't think it's at all. We've always. It might be fine. Honestly. Oh sure. Oh sure. People will try as hard as they can to find solutions as we go, but it's going to be an enormous challenge, at least. We've always mocked the idea that you know these are such bad times. To how could you have a child in this world? And well, there's always still there's stupid, always but... been crazy times, but there's never been this much disorder in politics with the biggest countries, the uh, the, the relationships between the, the different countries, and then the Internet, how that throws everything up in the air, absolutely everything. The economy, jobs, how are people going to be making a living in 20 years? Nobody AI, knows. Right. Uh, throw in AI, throw in nuclear proliferation, and uh, yeah, you got... You got an interesting stew. God, I'd say. And if and if you're getting caught up in the day to day, Trump tweeted this about AOC Trump and she said tweeted back. Mean. Geez, you're missing this whole story. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's how bad our media is and how dumb our politics are. But yeah, I don't, I don't know that there's any choice but to just kind of, you know, get on the surfboard of life and ride out the changes in the waves. Right. It's impossible to anticipate where this stuff's going. Or I, I hope I live long enough to see how some of this stuff turns out. I watched Trump last night with just that, that you know, looking at the big picture aspect. I Did I say picture? I meant to say picture. Um, looking, looking at the big picture aspect of this, of this, like, like France, like Italy, like Brexit and Great Britain, like every other country, we are changing our politics. We are We are recreating the parties or the parties are going away. Trump last night is part of it, just mm-hmm. the big picture of it, as opposed to they're chanting this and what does that mean? I just, oh, whatever. Well, as many smart people have observed, that Trump did not create the wave he wrote on it. No way. And there are a lot of issues with uh, with your standard model of Western republics. I hate to use democracy because we're not a democracy. But anyway, there's there are a, a bunch of issues that have arrived that, our modern democracies are getting more and more corrupt and 
you know, the, the deficit spending, the politics are getting dumber, the, the, you know, socialism, which is a system which never will work and never can work, is creeping in. And so it could be argued that, all right, we need these changes. Again, we're not creating the wave. The wave was created by the various things I mentioned, and that we, the people, are finally understanding these political parties aren't representing us at all. They're representing themselves. They're representing the government, which is now its own giant, rich uh, constituency. And so people are saying, yeah, that's no good. We need change. Now, unfortunately, to my mind, the change that we're asking for is all the wrong change. But it's in, I guess what I'm saying is a lot of this is inevitable. We'll smear Wolf Blitzer in honey and have him roll in candidates' pictures. <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah. I might actually have to tune into that and see and just to see I tell you what, how it's... over the top they take this in attempt, uh, attempted spectacle. Well, the very premise of the thing is fully into so bad it's good. Oh, oh no doubt. I mean, it's, it's so idiotic I can't even believe somebody thought it was a good idea, but... Yeah, I may have to watch. So they have the debate I'm taking it? So That's they'll have they're... the little blower machine go on, the ping pong ball come up, and it's Marianne Williamson! Marianne Williamson! So, they'll... Mr. President, <laughs> right? if you're listening. <laughs> they'll play a, a quote of hers, a little video, and then they'll have her picture go whoop across the screen, bonk, into night one. There's a good video of Marianne Williamson at one of her deals the other day with a big giant crowd, and she had all the white people in the audience stand up and turn around and apologize to the black people in the audience <laughs> for something. Unless all the white people broke wind, I just don't <laughs> think that's really appropriate. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show.